Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen. And we are happy to say it is Friday and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com, coming to you from the wonderful city of Chicago, Illinois, folks. And if you if this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you to the Radio Islam family. Uh, we're on every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. Fridays are really special because Fridays, we, we kind of go off in a few different directions right so uh tonight is movie talk but before i get into that i've got to tell you that you can keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on facebook twitter and instagram you will find us at radio islam usa that's at radio islam usa and for your listening pleasure you can go back and check out all those episodes that you've missed wherever you get your podcasts so if that's itunes tune in google play or soundcloud What's the name? You're going to find us at Radio Islam USA. And for those of you who would like to give us a call, feel free to do so at 312-750-1178. That is 312-750-1178. Yep. Happy Friday. You made it to the end of the week. Well, that's for the for the regular Monday 9 to 5 folks. You've made it to the end of the week. Uh, and for those of you who are just starting your work week, um, Hey, may the, may the force be with you. Um, you know, what can we say? We we can't we can't all be winners. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm just I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, but no, um, really happy to to be here and to be with you for for this hour, this really quick hour. Uh, and we're gonna just jump in to one of my favorite conversations uh, that I have the privilege of having on this program. And that is Movie Talk with my friend, Bubba Murray. Hello, hello. That's right, that's right. Uh, and as always, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start giving him a shout-out at the beginning of the show uh, because I know we always talk about him afterwards, and sometimes he'll chime in and, and, and drop some of, the, uh, some of that, that hard-earned wisdom on us. Uh, but the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg, assistant producer, engineer, uh, he is also with us. And uh, you want to go ahead and get the people the salams real quick? Just, just so they know you're here. Come on, come on. Just so they know you're here. Assalamualaikum. All right, all I'm right. Here. I'm officially here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, uh, for those of you, like I said, this is for the benefit of you who don't know. But um, here's also a secret. Bubba likes to hear his intro. <laughs> and it's not really secret. And now you're patronizing me a little. That's okay because I don't mind. I don't mind. No, but it's, it's worth mentioning. It, it is. It is worth mentioning. Uh, you've done quite a bit and uh and i mean in all sincerity that we are uh pleased to, to have you and to be able to have the conversations that we do so for those of you like i said you're just joining us uh bubba murray is an award-winning writer director hailing from oak park illinois his background includes re receiving the abc writing fellowship writing for desperate housewives participating in the nbc diversity scene showcase twice and being accepted into the fox writing initiative most recently his short film, Robox, won the best children's film in the 2017 Owners of Production. Is that right? No, no. The 2017 International Black Film Festival. Okay, got that right. Uh, Bubba serves as both lead content and social media director for Burma Task Force. Can I do another quick plug for myself? Please do. Please do. Uh, actually, coming up at the 
middle of July, they have the, the Windy City International Film Festival. Okay. I will have a short film showing there. It's called Awake. It is sort right. of departure from some of my other pieces. This is a psychological thriller. All right. And so, uh, yeah, if, if you check it out, Windy City uh, International Film Festival. It's a local. It's Chicago. Uh, so if you get a chance, check it out. It should be a lot of fun. And that's at the, the, the end of July? Yeah, Abraham I, was like, can you get us in for free? I don't know if I can get you in for free. Uh, but I can get you in with a... Uh, we know Bubba. That's yeah, like, I mean, I can get you a good seat. Okay. All right. But you may have to pay for it. All right, you know. I, I'll accept that. That's, that's decent. That's decent. Okay, so uh, look, family. <laughs> we are going to... I, I'm, really, I'm excited about... And I don't get excited about a lot of television. Uh, but I am excited about season two of Luke Cage on Netflix. And I'll tell you why I'm excited about it. And, and we'll give you some background for those of you who may not be aware of the whole Marvel universe and some of these other yeah. characters that um, that may not be the household names, you know, that you, you think about X-Men and, and things like that. But um, I'm excited about Luke Cage because its first season ran and the wife and I binge watched it. Okay. Right. We just loved it. And then I was like, where's the rest? Right? A whole season went by. And then in conversation, we were talking like, okay, well, what happened? And then you get the, the announcement that season two is coming. And I'm going to tell you my, my uh, conspiracy theory uh, after you tell me your, <laughs> your okay. first, just, my, just yeah, your initial reaction. My, my, this is my sanity theory versus the conspiracy theory. Yeah, uh, yeah it, Luke Cage was, the announcement was going to be held back a little bit because... Netflix, in which I enjoy, they have their own cinematic universe. So for all of you people who are Marvel movie fans, you know, you've got Iron Man, Ant-Man, Black Panther, yeah. all those. That, and they call that the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. Well, sort of a cousin to that, it, it's still within the cinematic universe, are the television shows. Now, Netflix has most of them. You've got... Daredevil, Iron Fist, uh, Jessica Jones, and then The Punisher and Luke Cage, which is like one of the best ones. And Luke Cage was actually a spinoff of Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones. Yep. Yep. So what you did is you had your little, you had to have a little time because they introduced in the cinema, in the television, I'll just call it the, the television universe, a ensemble movie show called The Defenders, which was sort of like the Avengers for the movie. Uh, Iron Hand, Iron yeah, Fist. Yeah, Iron Fist. Yeah, and so if you know yeah. the comics, mm -hmm. Luke Cage and Iron Fist, they're really good buddies, and they team up a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. But so in The Defenders, you had Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Right. So you had, so before you got, before you were able to get to season two of Luke Cage, we had to go through Defenders and then season two of Jessica Jones. Right. And so they're still probably going to introduce some of the other shows, too. I mean, I'm surprised, if anything, I'm surprised that they brought back Iron Fist because that was probably the worst one of the bunch. Or I, I didn't even watch the whole se uh, whole season. I watched maybe two episodes and just did not feel really compelled to keep watching. And I, you weren't alone. I watched the whole thing, but, you know, I just I wanted to see if it would get better. And, and I'm just someone who, even if it's a terrible superhero movie i'm gonna check it out mm -hmm. but yes luke cage 
I was really excited at the end of, uh, well, actually, I was excited at the end of Defenders because one of the great, one of the great characters in Luke Cage, one of his his partner in crime, Misty Knight. Yeah. She lost her arm. I saw this, and, and so this happened in the, in the Defenders. This happened in the Defenders. So okay, that's why I did not. So this is what this is why it's important yeah. because where in the Avengers universe you've got Tony Stark, who's the tech genius billionaire who's got all the resources. For the Defenders, you've got Danny Rand, who is Iron Fist. Now, even though his show was lacking, the character <laughs> itself is important because he's a billionaire right. who's got a, access to these resources. And so he's he's also got access to, to biotechnology, which comes in handy if you might happen to have a new superheroine, heroine, however you want to pronounce it, who has an incredible steel arm like Misty Knight. So that's why we, we need to keep, they're going to keep uh, Iron Fist around for a little bit, even to keep those storylines. Yeah, got to have a benefactor. Yeah, now I don't know if they're going to do Defenders too, but that's all right. First, let's get to Luke Cage, and I'm like you, I'm really excited to check this out. Now, for folks who don't know, uh, who don't know about Luke Cage or what his powers are, because every everybody in this universe, uh, in this landscape, has a power, right? They have some special ability, uh, and his powers are uh, he possesses superhuman strength and stamina, has extremely dense skin and muscle tissue, which render him highly resistant to physical injury. So if you've seen, uh, well, if you haven't seen, you will see people shooting him and bullets basically yes, he's mushrooming and, and falling down, uh, falling off of him. Uh, he possesses these abilities as a result of a cellular regeneration experiment, experiment which fortified the various tissues of his body. Now, we'll give you this. It's not even a spoiler. If you didn't see season one, you got to go back and look at it. But for those who have seen it, you do remember that with, once again, this access to capital or research and different resources, they found a way to get through that dense uh, mm -hmm. skin. Yes. In uh, season one. Um, and that was kind of like that was the, that was the whole highlight of the of, of that season and, and how he would how he would deal with that. And just to throw out a Easter egg for you, that was Hammer Tech. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen Iron Man 2, uh, one of uh, Iron Man's nemesis, nemesis uh, was I forget his first name, but. The guy who runs Hammer Tech, played by Sam Rockwell, they provide military arms to the government. Right. And so at the end of Luke Cage, you saw the logo for Hammer Tech and lo that lets you know, okay, we've got some insidious sort of military uh, again, technology. And again, this was something that was strong enough to pierce Luke Cage's skin. Right, right. And and that that really was a a, a great challenge to see them <clears throat> see the, see them uh, navigate that. Now I'm, I'm going to take a step back and go back to my original um, problem that I had. Right now, you you laid it out really nicely, and from a production angle, okay. story angle, they had to they had to navigate all these other areas first. Right, take okay. care of Jessica Jones, take care of the Defenders, set this foundation so we could come back to Luke Cage for season two. Okay, I'm ready for the right? conspiracy. So, Tell me the conspiracy. Here, here, here's the conspiracy. Here it is. C-O-N, conspiracy. Um, 
I was looking at the impact that that's, that first season had and how uh, the conversation that I was hearing, how inspirational it was and how um, this one particular motif, this one particular scene, the recurring scene of how Luke Cage would walk down the street with the, the hoodie, hoodie on, yeah. right? And the hoodie has become in, uh, in mainstream society, in the media, it's become a symbol of, uh, it's, it's a demonizing symbol, but it's also one that has been used in social activist circles. I mean, it is iconic, right? no matter what. Uh, going back to Trayvon Martin mm -hmm. uh, and how that, how many people re recreated uh, that, um, his, his last moments on camera or uh, the description that was given of him, young man in a hoodie, and that became yes. a central part of the Black Lives Matter um, movement and it's just resistance in general. So to see that being used, that that imagery being used by Luke Cage, who is from the community, who is well, actually he was not from that particular community, right? He's a, he's a transplant. He's normally from he was general. I think he was from the South at first, right? In um, in the movie, not not in the uh, or do you mean the comics or not in the comics, but in the in the series in in the series. I think that he was from that community because he knew the Misty Knight character. At least I thought. Mm. Oh no, or maybe I'm no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm no, wrong. no. He met he met her when he when he got there. Right, he right, was originally because right. he was a sheriff or he had some run in with a law enforcement in the South. Okay. Yes. And um, and that. I don't. I don't recall. But, if that but ever I think. Yeah, I think you're right. But then it was just the one of the the local. Oh, it's Misty. It was. I'm sorry. So it was Misty Knight who was from the area who was good friends with one of the people in the first season who owned the barbershop. So that was where that. That's where that link came from. Misty Knight. Ron Cephas Jones. Yes. And then okay. he His took character. in Luke Cage. Right, right. But he also knew there was something special about Luke, so he wasn't going to turn him in. Right, right, And right. then just ask for him to, you know, stand up for the community that was standing behind yes. him. So this, um, so this whole idea about, um, but still, him being uh, vested in the community uh, as a protector of the community and then doing so in a uniform that had been painted as dangerous uh, to America. Uh, but we found, you know, the community found security uh, in that I thought that was just it was masterful and I thought that it resonated with people in, in a way from from these communities uh, it, it was it was kind of a light it was a light being shown and so my conspiracy was mm -hmm. my conspiracy was that I said okay you, you didn't, you're getting expired inspired so we're just we're not gonna we're not gonna run it again for a second season I didn't see all that other stuff right because okay. Once again, if we if we veer off a little bit later on and just talk about the potential impact of a film like a um, Superfly, mm -hmm. right? Because they they've redone it and bring it back out. Uh, in comparison with a film like Black Panther, and what what messages these two films uh, send, and and why they choose to send them when they send them, so. In, in that vein or that that thought, when I looked at Luke Cage not being brought right back up again, I'm like, okay, I see what's up. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate, too. Let's go with a different 
a different rationale mm -hmm. and not about just the the Netflix view but also there were a couple other shows so maybe they wanted to just give it time so it didn't compete because after Luke Cage I get you then you've got Black yeah. Lightning which I'm I'm really just not sure about that yeah I mean uh, but but pe but as yeah. a network who, show who told them who told them to do this uh, <laughs> I, I mean I think it is there for DC people, I love my super friends, and yeah. I remember when they used to have Black Vulcan, so it's fun to see Black Lightning. And yeah. there are a lot of kids who grew up on static, so you like to see your, your, mm. your African-American uh, you know, uh, electric hero, and I think they might have a static cameo in the next season of Black Lightning. But just to mm. say, you've got, you've got, that, uh, you've got that character. It, I don't think the message was as refined or, or, or focused yeah. as it was for Luke Cage, and definitely it it wasn't as inspiring as you know how Black Panther really galvanized and rallied people. You know, around uh, the the, uh, the the at the NBA draft, the Bulls' number one draft pick, he had a scarf and he said oh i saw that movie black panther so i had to go dress <laughs> like him so so these things are really going beyond just being popular and and they're important pop culture uh, moments that we're facing and again especially in this th this climate that we have right now yeah so i think it's great to have a luke cage because you know you're waiting for something we just we're coming off that black panther wave and I still we want something bigger than life, so so uh, maybe it's maybe they had to space this stuff out, so it's not necessarily you we're not going to let you have it, but maybe we'll we'll give you something because we feel you know forty five is going to do something crazy, so you need something <laughs> to pick up <laughs> your spirits. Now I'm I'm totally with I mean and I understand that makes perfect sense that whole. I'm glad it does because I, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it makes, it makes trying sense. Trying to convince myself that one too. Yeah, because it's not just about one audience. You've got mm -hmm. multiple audiences that, that you have to look after. And um, if he still had a presence in the Defenders, uh, then you know it's not like he went away. But mm -hmm. what made uh, Luke Cage special, what makes it different than a show like Black Lightning, is that it really is a... Uh, it's, it's very much a, a, a platform for, uh, for, for black culture, black mm -hmm. art, music. Uh, if you look at the scenes, the, the multiple uh, scenes where you see, like the painting of, uh, of Biggie. Yes. Right? Uh, that's in, uh, I can't remember the, uh, Mahershala, uh, Mahershala. Ali. Yeah, Ali, right? In his office when he's yeah. still on the show. Uh, he's got this big painting of Biggie, and then the music that is being uh, played, like uh, I think it's uh, Jadina. Um, they've had they've had well, they had cameos, a, right? They had a lot all of throughout contemporary artists. I mean, actually, I, so, I almost, so let me say so that's something that I see that is different from a show like Black Lightning, where it's not necessarily about the culture. It's not about reinforcing or exposing these other layers of culture. It's just more about he just happens to be uh, a black guy with lightning. Well, this you know. is interesting because I feel like this conversation is going to be me having to defend Black Lightning, because which is cool, which is good, because I think that uh, when you when you bring up the music and that it's really important, 
But it was also, it was very important in Black Lightning. So, I mean, I, I actually watched every episode of Black Lightning. I was into the show. Okay. And But, again, I thought it was a decent show. Well, t- tell me why I'm wrong on that then. Well, what I'm saying is, what I think you're wrong on is the fact that they did not try to utilize some elements of black culture, especially music. Right. Now, with... I have to do a little background in explaining Black Lightning, okay. just in the sense of the the CW. They have their own sort of universe. Right now, their superhero universe is called the Arrowverse, and it's a spinoff of the oh, DC yeah. show of Arrow. Right, right. And so you have so before Black Lightning, you had Green Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, right. uh, and so then you have you don't go back to Smallville. No, no, no. They, they, they have a new, totally new uh, uh, canon. Okay. So Smallville ended on its own because now you've got these new people. But it starts with Arrow. Okay. So when they introduced Black Lightning, people were trying to say, is this part of the Arrowverse or not? And, and, and as a, from, from that DC fan mm-hmm. who watches those shows... Uh, you were just hoping they would tie something in. So it wasn't until about the third or fourth episode where they left you guessing. This is in Black Lightning. And they made a hint where they mentioned some of these superheroes that you saw in other DC shows. Oh, then there's another one, The Legends, is another DC show. Okay. But you had Vixen, who's a character who's who's from Africa, who has this totem who can turn who can channel the spirit of animals. Mm. So they mentioned Vixen, they mentioned Supergirl. So then you say to yourself, okay, Black Lightning now is part of the Arrowverse. So I bring that in to say, you had most of these shows that were very predominantly white or white feminist. Black Lightning is more black focused, um, black feminist and and black queer. Mm. It it hits all of those, Mm. but their music Whereas Black, whereas uh, um, Luke Cage's original contemporary artist, they focused on a lot of uh, classics. They'd yeah. have a lot of old R&B. Yeah. And so things like that that you would Tony, Tony, Tony. Yeah. yeah. Which was interesting. But just comparing that to all the other DC shows where they had just their typical uh, in-house orchestra scoring it this was all r&b classics so that's where the difference becomes you so there's a long way to get to that black lightning it just still it just suffered from storytelling but i think there were elements there and one of them that they really tried to hit on where they hit the classic music classic uh uh references the the uh the character who is black lightning he's a teacher so a lot of times he'll reference he'll make historical references as he's trying to motivate people uh where luke cage i think a lot of his references are contemporary so i think they're trying to to accomplish the same thing as instilling pride in these viewers are usually marginalized in sci-fi geekdom culture sure but they're coming from different directions but uh Luke Cage is coming from contemporary modern. Black Lightning is almost going back to 70s where we kind of remember. uh, Or if you're of an age, you can remember the Super Friends where they always would have their token minority superheroes that were just the worst ones. You said Black Lightning is. 
Black Lightning. Yeah, That's what yeah, Black yeah, Lightning yeah, would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. But but because it was popularized in the seventies, I also feel like they're drawing in again some of the seventies R and B and things like that and those groups to score the film. But hey, Black Lightning had Jill Scott. Really? Yes. Who is perf- or supposed to be performing tonight at uh, Ravinia <laughs> with the Roots? Uh, and I know some folks who are not going just because of the, just because of a little bit of rain. The, I mean, so you know, that's this that's is a not show. the Wizard of Oz. You're not going to melt. Yeah, yeah. Put on your raincoat. Support Jill Scott. Man up. See um, but so that's that's <laughs> that that's my Black Lightning knowledge. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to have to. Um, I'm going to have to actually go through and find some time to finish uh, the season out. And check it out. It's, it's on Netflix, it. so you... you yeah, have, yeah, that's, that's, that's I my mean, doorway. Do... Definitely but, hit Luke Cage, but... But I, but I do I feel like... I do feel that uh, Luke Cage, that there's a much more deliberate attempt to infuse many more different elements of, uh, of, of black culture. Um, and that's where I said, like, the art, right? Okay. The art... Uh, not just the music, but the art, and then also there's a much more, I don't want to say unrefined, because just just kind of a gritty neighbor, I don't say neighborhood, but just a, there's a grittiness to it that that's also inspirational. And it's inspirational because I feel like People look at it. They look at the, they look at it, and they don't see somebody who is kind of come from the Ivy League mm-hmm. tower or whatever. They see somebody who is amongst them, and that is an empowering type of uh, narrative for people to to see and to to buy into. To see, it could be anyone. It could be any one of us uh, that is walking around in this hoodie that is actually writing writing wrongs. So, in that on that note, then I, I would say. When you've got Luke Cage, their audience is, it, it seems like their target or their message is more specific, where it's not, I'm not trying to educate you, but I'm trying to empower you, where Black Lightning like like is more trying to educate you and draw more people in. So in some ways, the message is a little muddled or it's a little too broad, and it's not, you don't get into some specifics because they're trying to hit all these different the thing about Black Lightning, they're trying to hit everything. Again, you've you've got the drugs, you've got uh, the, the gangs. The, the, the gangs. You've, yeah. you, you then you've also have the the daughter who is a lesbian coming out, and then the daughter who's being bullied. You've got every issue that might attract a broad audience right. that you stop that you're just not specific enough, where you might tell a decent. story. A stronger story because you've got to touch all these issues besides talking about and introducing these new characters and their powers and what it means. Black, I mean, uh, Luke Cage, I feel it's more specific. It's we follow his journey and then it's within that community. It's, it's, uh, well, both of them in the community, but I just, I feel it's more it's, it's just it's more specific by these characters are reacting to what's around them mm-hmm. and they're not trying to educate everybody about everything it's that when you go on the journey you'll learn where black lightning let me is trying to explain things to people and be everything to everybody so they can get a wider audience and mm. and his costume is ridiculous that's black lightning okay you know what we'll take a minute when we come back just to talk about 
the ridiculousness of his costume. But then also to uh, uh, let's get into what what we think we're going to be seeing, oh, at yeah. least based on the trailers for season two. So Radio Slam family, it is movie talk. We're talking about uh, Luke Cage season two. Just got to recap in a little bit of season one. But we'll be back in just a minute. This is Radio Slam on WCEV 1450 AM. Radio Islam. The nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show, produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141. 0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. Hey America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food... How are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America in your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. He's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. I knew I was stuck at this kid's house for the night, but those guys snuck up on me to try and pull the hand in a bowl of warm water trick. Well, that was enough for me. I went downstairs to sleep in the basement, even though it was pitch black. I left my sleeping bag upstairs, and that was a mistake, because it was freezing. I think it was probably the longest night of my life. To read more about the sleepover, check out Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Last Straw by Jeff Kenny. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library and visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council.
Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. Remember, folks, you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media, and you can check out those uh, previous episodes that you may have missed or you just want to revisit, and you'll use the same username for each, each and that's going to be at Radio Islam USA. I said eat. And I'll tell you why I said eat, because I have, I have a bean pie, which is only just a few feet away from me. I haven't opened it because uh, we don't have a knife in here. Me, so. It's closer. To, it is closer to you. So you may not get it. But do you have a knife? Do I need a knife? This is true. This is true. <laughs> no one has ever really needed a knife for, 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 for a, a bean delicious pie. bean pie. No, I can no. forego a knife. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So I, I remind you once again at Radio Islam USA, and you can also you can also go by RadioIslam.com where you can see some uh, info on our previous guests and shows, bios, things of that sort, things that you will only see at RadioIslam.com. All right, family, we are talking about uh, Bubba and I. We are talking about Luke Cage, and we said that we have to give just a minute or two to the ridiculousness of Black Lightning's. Uh, costume, of his yeah. costume. Uh, it looks to be like a pleatherish uh, uh, type of a getup, um, if memory serves correct. And I, have, I, I don't watch it a lot, but... Okay. Well, it's basically just... He looks like a giant blue and black nightlight. Mm. And when watching the show, what I find ridiculous... This, this is just one of the things that always takes me out of, out of it, is he's lit up like a neon light walking around trying to act like nobody sees him <laughs> and there are two things and his and his mask is just like a pair of sunglasses now this guy walked around i mean we 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 have learned by now that people should be able to recognize you now this is the only black superhero around and He's on the news all the time, running this school. <laughs> and nobody And he's the only guy on the show who's got a beard. <laughs> so how are the only two people in this town who got beards? One is Black Lightning and one is, uh, I forgot the guy's name, but uh, oh, man. Black Lightning's alter ego <laughs> in pseudo-Atlanta because he's the only one. And then he and he's a tall guy. He's yeah, like 6'4". He is. He's a big, giant guy sneaking around. Wearing a nightlight on his chest that's bright yellow up and down the chest <laughs> and up and down the legs. I don't know how he is hold not on, seen does, everywhere he goes. Does his does his suit serve like a purpose of conducting it, electricity or it does it does. keep other people safe when it the the suit allows him to focus his lightning powers. Mm. But if it but they didn't need to put the power pack on the front. They could have put it on the back where you may not see it as you're walking down the street. He's an assisted superhero? Yeah, he's got a team. Oh, well, and his, and his kids. His kids have superpowers. Oh, they do? They do. Okay. So actually his his daughter, uh, there's Thunder. Okay. So she's got super strength. And that's his older daughter. And then he has a younger daughter who does not, who's... Uh, a reluctant superhero, but she has similar powers to Black Lightning. But it's where Black Lightning can, he's like a capacitor in the sense of he can store electricity right. and then and then shoot it out. His younger daughter can actually generate electricity and shoot it out. So there are times, you know, so she can help him. But, 
but actually, in a sense, she would be more powerful. But that being said, he is assisted. His daughter helps him out. He's got a he's got a guy like like uh, Alfred or someone or the guy in the chair. If you saw Spider Man, yeah, <laughs> who assists. So, all right, and we're going to move on. But I've got to ask. So, if he did not have this capacitor or whatever this thing is that helps him to focus his energies. Might he like give static cling to everybody or something like that? Is that is that the risk that some yeah, something like runs? that. He's just going he he'll do static cling or you know, he if he steps in a puddle, he'll blow up or something like that. You know, he he just starts shooting stuff everywhere. Okay. So all right. Sometimes assistance is good. Um let's, But it's an ugly costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just know I I couldn't take him seriously when I saw it. <laughs> that was one of the problems, right? Is that you? If if you're a hero, either be a plain clothes hero, but if you're gonna have a costume, then have one that, you know, yeah, you know that 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 says you respect yourself, right? Because his his costume does not say, at least to me, that he respects himself. So, so in, anywho, anywho. So um, to Luke Cage season two. And at the break, uh, just checking around to see what uh, what some of the initial reactions were from uh, critics, and was surprised to see this. Uh, and this is on uh, this is on NBCNews.com, and the heading is Netflix Luke Cage season two disappoints by avoiding any real conversations on race. Now, <clears throat> they make a contrast. Uh, they make a, uh, there's a comparison that's done between what Black Pan- Panther represented and some of the the themes that it picked up with regard to uh, race and how it's impacted uh, the African uh, diaspora. Um, and they jump ahead, right? So I'm, I am synthesizing. Uh, they jump ahead to say that issues that are important to uh, the, in in the inner city such as yeah. police um, uh, violence, uh, things of that nature, mm-hmm. are not really taken up in this. Is that, that they skirt around those issues. And for somebody who is in the community um, and working on behalf of the community, and for a show like any other show, when we have shows that uh, depict life in African-American communities, these are opportunities for us to make, for political statements to be made, for um, conversations to be started. And if this is true, this is just one, you know, one, uh, one report. But if that's true, have we missed, or did they miss the mark on this? See, that sounds like when executives start to muddle things up, because you know that they may not have had a huge hand in things. And then, so they decide they're going to, again, tweak things like uh, Black Lightning to, to reach a broader audience. Right. So, right. so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they, they missed the mark by trying too hard to be everything to everyone. And it sounds like that's the direction they were going. Uh, and a lot of times I think that's agreed because, again, I the idea of Luke Cage, the idea of this this superhero focusing on the black community, 
Uh, that was unique, and people really, really. Uh... Radio Sound Family. Let me let me just <laughs> let, let me just jump in here for just a just a small moment. Um, the snickering that the snickering that you hear going on. You all are bad people. It, not not the audience. Are like, it, it, our crew it, up here. Ibrahim is wrong. He's, so he's going through he, going through pictures of. Uh, celebrities, I guess before they were, before they were celebrities. And there's, man, there's it's some rough. awkward high school senior pictures. <laughs> high school pictures. <laughs> I hope they're high school pictures because. So yeah, so just saw Jamie Jamie Fox and I don't who who was this other guy that was on there? Little John. That was a Little John. Oh man, man, man. So I'm just so sidebar, check out it. check out some of the high school yearbook pictures of Little oh, John. Whew. Okay. Jamie Fox, but but uh, yeah, just but just what we're saying is I could see them missing the mark because executives think when they see they've got a success, then they want to tap into it. Uh, and just a sidebar story, kind of like the Chappelle Show, right? And the point is when when he started, he had almost total control because people didn't expect much, so he was able to hit all these issues. Right. Once they realized what a cash cow that show was. Everybody wanted to have some input. Mm-hmm. And then so that's why he quit, because he couldn't do the show the way he wanted to, because now the executives wanted in. So I, I feel like that might be something that happened to Luke Cage, if this is true, yeah. because of the success of something like Black Panther. And then they'll say, oh, well, we've got, we've got to make sure everybody checks it out. We want to have that same success here on Netflix, get more subscribers. And, and, and it, wouldn't, it would not surprise me at all. That You know what, though? What, what I see... And I am I am critical of stories that are told from uh, that try to be told from a, a position of, of of an embedded observer or uh, or or participant, but really don't carry the values or the sensitivities uh, that those people or those observers come mm-hmm. from. Right. So I'm, I'm critical of that. Uh, I am also critical of I think that some of these executives who feel that they have to tone things down, that they have to, um, you know, get really vanilla with stuff because they want it to be more palatable to a larger group of folks. Mm-hmm. And they and they often wind up tainting the project. Uh, they take away from it because what people are attracted to, people are attracted to authenticity. Uh, and I think they, they think less of they do them they do their viewing audience a disservice yeah. um, by assuming that they're tuning in for anything other than an authentic uh, view or an experience where they can see something or, or have conversations that they would not normally have. So it and is it's a disservice. Yeah, I mean for these, this type of programming, you can't pander. You've got yeah, to, that's you've, exactly yeah. It. You've got to be true to the character and to the story. And it comes out with, again, weak storylines, muddled characters, flat dialogue. But yeah. when you, you, again, you don't have to appeal to everybody. And get just throw in other shows, the things like a Roseanne, what made it successful was that it was specific, it had a specific point of view. And they sure as heck weren't trying to, to appeal to a wide range. Right. But people would tune in to see, what are you thinking? Tell me a new story. And that's how the first Luke Cage was. It was, this guy was specific. He was the hero of Harlem. What's going on in there? And so th- that's, 
but, but when they they turn it back and can you you look at ratings over storytelling that's when the whole the wheels just come off the whole mechanism yeah yeah absolutely yeah, and i think uh, once again just to, just to say it again there is a supposed fragility I think that many executives have when it comes to uh, white viewership that in reality um, is, is not present. There are some folks who don't want, you know, the mention of any types of uh, racial uh, tension or injustice, police brutality, some of the things that go on in, in, in commu uh, communities of color, these are things that they will rustle at. You know, they will be the people who scream out when you say Black Lives Matter, they'll be the ones to meet you with all lives matter right. or blue lives matter, right? But there's also a wide and a growing uh, number of quote unquote white folks who will who will meet that argument with we need to fix this, right? right. These are problems that that we have. These are not problems. They're not black problems or brown problems or immigrant problems. These are our problems. Yeah, they're societal problems. Yeah, and, and they we need to do something about it, and we need to talk about it. And when you don't talk about it, that means that we're not really serious about uh, about solving those problems. Right. And, and going back to what you said, they are using the term disservice. You, you, you're assuming that, yeah, these people don't want to be a part of that solution. Yeah. And like you said, you talked about the fragility, that they're scared. I mean, there are plenty of people who want to just know genuinely what is going on. And you... You're not always going to get that message from the news. And I, and I mean the sense of I don't want to hear it from the news. I may want to hear it from other avenues. It's, again, how is it present, presented in culture? How is it presented in, in literature? How is it presented in music? Right. Now, there it's I think music is probably the most leveling platform where people will listen to it and say, okay, I, I hear your story in the music. But in some of these stories, like, like a Luke Cage – other science fiction type of things, other books, uh, going back to uh, writers like an Octavia Butler where you're getting this different uh, perspective that uh, people want that and if you can give it to them, again, when it's honest, they can have a genuine critique of themselves and of uh, the environment that it was written in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Luke Cage, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and expose myself right now. I know that he's in New York, right? Yes. Uh, is this is it Harlem he's in, or he's in Harlem? Okay. Now, see, that is that is all the more reason with the history that Harlem has. Some of the the great uh, luminaries uh, that have called Harlem home um, uh, and have produced uh, uh, cultural works that have uh, withstood the test of time, right? Uh, that Harlem, called the Black Mecca, right? Uh, that was a space that was, that was the, the voice of, of, of African-Americans for, for, for the longest. Yeah, and, and I feel the season- so, so not to have conversations about issues that, you know, Harlem uh, would represent, you know, be a, a placeholder, if you will, for, any any town USA, right? To not have conversations about uh, police brutality, to not have conversations about education or whatever the issues are, it, it's just it's disingenuous. And I'm just going to touch on. I, I felt like in the first season mm -hmm. they even made allusions to you know the Harlem Renaissance because 
as brutal as the villains in the show were, yeah. they also wanted to, they still felt they were the good person. And they had a mission to try and elevate the community in a way, in their special way, or, or where they were best suited. So if they were best suited to villainy, and that's what they would use to uh, uplift the community. So, I mean, so despite what we're hearing, I, I, I mean, I got to see it to make sure, oh, sure that it's yeah. not sour grapes because there's some people I want to see in this. I want to see Alfre Woodard. Yes. You saw her in season one. Yeah. She was great. So you never I never knew she could be that she could be bad. Oh yeah, not yeah. like that. I mean, I she might yell at you or something, but she was vicious. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's one of the characters I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I'm I'm upset that uh, I don't get to see Ron Cephas Jones because we we lost some really powerful actors uh, in season one. Uh, yeah. Ron Cephas Jones, for those of you who watched This Is Us. Uh, he's William, uh, the father uh, who passed, but still finds a way into the uh, show. I mean, just this beauty of telling stories uh, uh, through different sets of, of time. It allows for a, a character to, to die off, exit at one, at one space, but to keep coming back. Well, actually, know, oh, we, actually, we will get to see him in it. We will, oh, he's in it? Yeah, we will get to see him. So, oh, he, so, it, looks like, so, so it looks like he passed away after taping oh so so we'll see his character no no he didn't hold on ron cephas jones passed for real i thought he did no 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 he, he didn't might. pass this is not the kind of news that i want or to am i thinking the character no the, the character show. on the show uh passed i thought because there was like a drive-by in uh, uh the barbershop oh no 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 he he survived he did he survived. It was that's who I was telling you who who did pass in real life. Um, okay, so uh, family, we're getting bad news right now. Uh, but if that is the case, Ron Cephas Jones, I'm, I'm looking okay, this up we're, right we're, now. No, no, he he's still alive. Okay, okay, he's boy, oh boy. Yeah. So scratch all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But oh, okay. um, now who what? Okay, it was Frankie Faison. Who played yeah. Pop Hunter? He passed. Now he now he's old school. He's been around. Wait. Yeah, yeah. He he passed. In the show. In the show. Not in the show. Oh, yes, yes. In the show. In the yeah, show. Yeah. He. I mean, he's he's a veteran actor. He's he goes back to a show called it was something Colors in it. True Colors, I think. Back in the oh early early ninety mid eighties, I think maybe. I, I, yeah, it was a Fox show. Yep, yep. It was around, I think, same times uh, Charles Dutton was doing uh, Rock. Rock. Yeah. But, yeah, so he, he's he's gone. Um, we already said Mahershali. He's gone. But Theo Rossi. He's back. He is back. And if you all watched uh, Sons of Anarchy, you know who Theo Rossi is. Theo Rossi was Juice. Yes. Um didn't like him there. <laughs> I don't like him here. <laughs> oh, his character. I mean, he's he's a really he's a good actor though. Uh, yeah, but and there are a couple of fringe characters that I also always find interesting. Uh, for me, the Rosario Dawson character, uh, who's Luke Cage's girlfriend, sort of in this show. 
I find her interesting not so much because she's Luke Cage's girlfriend, but for this television universe, she's the one who hops from show to show. From Daredevil to... to she was in Daredevil. She was in yeah. Iron Fist. She was in all of them. She was yeah. in Jessica Jones. The same way you have Samuel L. Jackson, who kind of hops from Marvel movie to Marvel movie. Yeah. But so Rosario Dawson, she'll be in maybe half the episodes, have a few lines here and there, but then she's always linking somebody in. Yeah. Uh, I think she might have even been in Punisher. I'm not sure. Well, I think those kind of characters are important for the... Uh I guess for the continuity yes. to, to establish that connection in this. there is So you said um, Luke Cage is part of, the, he's not part of the Arrowverse. That's, that's, uh, no, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's Arrow, DC. that's DC. Yep. So he's a part of, that's the, Mar the Marvel Cinematic so, Universe. Yes. Um, and so they'll have some, the movies and they'll have the TV shows. And one of the things it, when you watch it, you they will often in the television shows reference the events that happened in the movie. So the Battle of New York was something all the shows would reference. Right. And the Battle of New York would be the incidents that happened in the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Uh, and then, so if you hear them talk about the Sokovia Accords, that's going to be them talking about uh, Age of Ultron. That's the one when would, uh, the, the whole land mass they brought, went yeah, They brought the and, city up and then dropped yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to echo uh, Bubba and say that I've got to see it with my own two eyes as well. Uh, but I was surprised that that was the first thing uh, that would come up news-wise, that there's some disappointment being uh, registered. And even with my own, uh, my own critique, I'll say that what we want as audiences and what uh, executive producers and directors, what they're trying to convey those don't always line up. So what our expectations are, uh, we may have to, you know, we may have to temper them a little bit with what, uh, with what they're trying to actually produce as well. So, but, okay. But uh, Misty Knights got her bionic arm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> All right, um, Radio Sound family, we have come to the close of another show. It's been a, a joy hanging out with you. All we look forward to joining you again Monday night. Uh, we'll be talking, we'll be getting an update with um, our brother Adam Carroll about um, Burma. What's going on? What's going on? Okay, so we want to thank our engineer over at WCEV, Leonard. Thank you very much, sir. We thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, assistant producer, Ibrahim Beg. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alamein. We thank Bubba uh, Murray as well for joining us. And what else? Our executive producer, Ab Ab our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, we remind you the view is expressed are the views of the host and or guests and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. Okay, blah, blah, blah. We got through all of that. Uh, we're going to leave you now as we greeted you. Have a great weekend. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.